Well, we're doing a series here at Thrive. It's called The Art of Healthy Relating. And this series is all about relationships. How can we have healthy relationships with one another, especially in a time like this, how important that is to know. And so in this series called The Art of Healthy Relating, we're looking at different keys to experiencing a new horizon in your relationships, whether it's the person you're living with or the people that you're working with or your friends, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your spouse, your kids, your parents, whatever it may be, this series is all about having healthier relationships. Earlier in this series, we looked at the importance of healthy communication, especially when you're in a conflict. And we looked at three hugely important factors to healthy communication when there's a conflict between you and someone that you're in a relationship with. Today, I want to talk with you about the biggest reason unnecessary conflicts happen in relationships. Now, get this straight, is the fact is, in relationships, conflict is inevitable. Is that no matter what relationship you're in, no matter how careful you are, there's going to be conflict no matter what. Conflict is inevitable. But how many know that not every conflict is necessary? Amen? In fact, there's certain conflicts that are absolutely avoidable. And if you would keep in mind what we're talking about today, I can guarantee you that there will be a reduction in the number of conflicts you face in your relationships, and it will help you experience a lot more peace and joy in your relationships as well. Are you guys ready for episode six of The Art of Healthy Relating? Let's get into it right here, right now. So I want to direct your attention to this blackboard right here this chalkboard, uh, very artistic stuff going on here. But how many of us know this? Is that conflicts in relationships often have to do with a lack of R and R. Now, I don't mean by R and R rest and relaxation, although that's often a reason people get frustrated and anxious and antsy, and that can result in conflicts. But there's a bigger R and R that results in conflicts in our relationships. That R and R we're talking about is respect and responsibility. Very often, when you look at why conflicts start in relationships, you could boil it down to one of two things, a lack of respect or a lack of responsibility, is that we need more R&R in our relationships. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, I could use a little more R&R. I can use a little bit more R and R. And if you're wondering who are these two artistic faces here, I want to thank Grace, who's actually right behind the camera, for doing some artistic work for us here. This is actually Pastor Tim, all right? This is Pastor Tim, if you're wondering, all right? Doesn't that look like Pastor Tim? Doesn't he look, you know, like an 18-year-old right here? Praise God for that. Uh, and so Pastor Tim next week is going to be talking to us about the importance of respect. Uh, if you're wondering who this is, that's me, all right? Uh, look at that chiseled jawline right there. Look at that. I look like I'm look like made out of ice right now. Look at that. Uh, and, uh, and so thank you, Grace, for that. That's nice. And so, and so what we're going to do is, as I'm going to talk today about the importance of responsibility, Pastor Tim is going to talk about the importance of respect next week. And so this is a bit of a two-part mini-series in our series called The Art of Healthy Relating. We're going to do a little bit of tag team that way. And so stay tuned. Don't just come today, but come next week for the second part of what we're talking about. But today I want to tell you about the importance of responsibility in our relationships. See, what is responsibility? Let me give you a little definition for responsibility that you can use today. You can write this down. Responsibility means keeping your word, fulfilling your commitments, and taking good care of what is entrusted to you. It's being someone others can count on. Can I ask you a question? Can you remember the first time you ever acted irresponsibly? 
The first time you were ever irresponsible. Well, I don't know if this was the first time I was ever irresponsible. In fact, I doubt it was, but this is the first time I remember being irresponsible. I was four years old and I was playing with this toy car and I really loved this toy car. There was a babysitter who said, JB, please give me the toy car. And I was like, no. He said, JB, please give me the toy car. I was like, no. I said, one last time, JB, you give me the toy car. And I said, fine. And I grabbed the toy car and I slammed it into her hand. And I could see there was pain in her face, both emotionally and physically at what I'd done. And then I ran away. I slammed the car in her hand and I ran away. That was my very first and only hit and run ever. And, and see, here's the thing, is that I went away to another room and my mom found out about it. She grabbed me, she said, or she didn't grab me physically, but she said, hey, JB, I heard you hit your babysitter, could you go and apologize right now? And so I went into another room where the babysitter was crying and I went and I just peeked my head and I said, sorry, and I ran off again. And see, what is that? That is me at four years old acting a little bit irresponsibly. And here's the thing is that it's funny how people don't usually have to teach children how to be irresponsible. We're just very irresponsible quite naturally. We, no one has to teach us that. And, and it's, in, in a way, it's kind of understandable because, you know, you know kids, they're growing up, they're learning, you know, they're, they're, they're still got some maturing to do, or parents are still instilling the right values into their lives. But what happens when a child grows up and still acts irresponsibly. We're going to learn in late, in later on today, there are five areas of our lives that suffer when we act irresponsibly. But before we do that, before we talk about those five areas, let me tell you, uh, let me do a little quiz with all of you today. And, and let's get really personal to ask, how responsible are you? Would you ask your neighbor, how responsible are you? How responsible are you? See, we're going to do a little, a little responsibility quiz today. Now, I know some of you university students, you're kind of protesting right now because you know, you know, JB, I'm on reading break, okay? No quizzes, please. No tests, please. No exams. Please don't worry. This quiz is a very simple quiz. You don't need to study for it. It's not going to affect your GPA. It's not going to hinder your scholarship. It's not going to affect whether or not you get that co-op job. Uh, this is simply a test for fun, and it might give you a little clue into the state of your relationships today. Are you guys ready? And so these are clues that we might struggle with being responsible. And so here's how it works. Your goal is to try to get as low of a score as possible. And so for every statement that I give you, I'm going to encourage you to give yourself a point if you relate to that statement. Are you guys ready? Here we go. I'm going to give you 10 clues and here we go. Clue number one. Clue number one. I'm often misplacing things. Honey, have you seen my phone? I can't find my phone. Can someone call my phone? Or, oh, honey, I can't find my keys. Oh, does anyone see my keys? Can someone call my keys? You know, it's, 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 we're often misplacing our stuff. You get the picture. If that's you, give yourself a point. Point number two or clue number two. I sometimes lose track of what I need to do. In other words, others often have to remind you of what you said you would do. Okay, uh, is that report ready? Oh, I'm so, so sorry, I forgot about that. Or, or you, maybe you, you didn't check your email and there was something you were, supposed to, you, know, you were supposed to do, but it was sent two weeks ago, but you didn't check. Is it you're losing track of the things that you need to do? Has that ever happened to you before? If it hasn't, give yourself a point. Number three, I'm slow to apologize when I realize I've made a mistake. For you, sorry is the S word and you never say it. It's like, oh, I'm not going to say it. It's too hard. No, don't apologize for mistakes that I make. Number four, I tend to leave what I need to do until the last minute. 
The idea is you put the pro in procrastination. You are a procrastinator. Is that, you know, instead of planning ahead and giving your best, you procrastinate. You leave it to the very last minute and you end up giving something that's half-baked and half-thought through and you go, oh, can I have more time? It's because you're leaving things to the last minute. Number five, number five, I'm often late or unprepared for meetings and appointments. Is that you were supposed to get there at nine, but instead you showed up at 9.10, 9.12, 9.15, and it happens not just once, but it happens quite often. And people are often waiting for you. Are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? That's number five. If you relate to that one, give yourself a point. Number six, I've made promises that I haven't kept. You say, oh yeah, I'll call you back next week, but you never call back. We say, yeah, I'll do that, but you never do it. Is that you make promises that you haven't kept. Number seven is I sometimes forget to return what I borrow on time is that maybe at home you've got this accumulation of stuff that is not yours, that you've borrowed from others, and you're like, oh, man, it's been three years. Is the person going to remember if I don't give it to them? Yeah, they'll probably remember. I encourage you to give it back to them, right? Number seven is that I sometimes forget to return what I borrow on time. Number eight, I've made decisions without thinking, which have caused trouble for myself and others. Is that you? For example, maybe you got into a business deal without thinking enough about it, and now you and your loved ones are suffering as a result. Or maybe you made a bad decision, and now someone in your life or you are suffering as a result. That's number eight. Number nine, often others have to clean up the messes I leave behind. Now, I'm not just talking about physical items like you leave your clothes on the floor, you leave your hair in the shower, you leave toothpaste in the sink. I'm talking about other things. Like, you know, for example, when you neglect to do something and someone else has to pick up the piece or maybe make some mistakes at work and, and someone else has to, oh, I did it for you already. Don't worry about it. Oh, yeah, I did it for you again. Don't worry about it. And, see, and say you're maybe not very controlled with your words. You're not very controlled with your temper. And so as a result, sometimes you lose it and other people have to clean up the mess. They have to do damage control. They're, oh, so sorry. He didn't mean it when he said that. He didn't mean that. Oh, sorry, that dent in the car, ICBs will take care of that, all right? I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, don't worry, we'll pay for that broken window, all right? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He didn't mean anything like that. Let's go home, right? If that's you, give yourself a point. Number 10, last clue. When something goes wrong, I tend to blame others for it. Is that instead of taking responsibility when something goes wrong, is that we look for someone to blame. We play the blame game. All right, how'd you do on that test? Out of 10, how many did you get? You don't have to tell me what your score is. How'd you do though? See, the reason we do this little quiz is not to make you feel bad about yourself, but it's to show that hopefully all of us need to work on being more responsible. And see, you're going to find this, is that there are five areas of our lives that get affected when we don't act responsibly. And so let me give each one of them to you right now. Five areas of our lives that are affected. Number one, area number one, when I'm irresponsible, my relationships suffer. Is that in a best case scenario, irresponsibility is irritating. Is that I, I, I say I'll call back, but I don't. That's irritating. You know, I, I show up late and I don't let you know beforehand. I don't apologize. I don't explain. That's irritating. You know, I forget to do something that I said I would do. That's irritating. It puts a strain on the relationship. It's just like, right? But that's in the best case scenario. And in its worst case, irresponsibility can severely damage and sometimes break a relationship altogether. Is that when you go back on your promises, when you're unfaithful, 
faithful to a vow, when you keep making poor decisions and you don't learn from them, it can break the trust between you and that person. It can damage severely, if not destroy, a relationship sometimes. Proverbs 25, 19 says it this way. It says, like a bad tooth or a lame foot is reliance on the unfaithful in times of trouble. What does that mean? In other words, it is painful to live with and work with someone who's irresponsible. On the other hand, when you are in a relationship with someone who is responsible, where they're not nagging and controlling and micromanaging in that kind of way, but they just simply do what they say they'll do. You, know, you can count on them. They'll, you can count on them to be there. They're reliable. What is that like? That's a, like a breath of fresh air. Amen? It's like, oh man, it is so good to have you in my life. It is so good to be in a relationship with you. It is refreshing to be with responsible people. Proverbs 25 verse 13 says this. It says, reliable friends who do what they say are like cool drinks in sweltering heat. Mwah, refreshing. You know, it's, it's like an ice cap from Tim Hortons. It's like a Frappuccino from Starbucks. It's like a chocolate, you know, milk with pearls from cocoa. It's like, you know, a milkshake from White Spot. It is refreshing when you have someone who's responsible in your life. Turn your name and say, am I refreshing? <laughs> am I refreshing? See, that's why in a message back in 2019, we talked about the first thing to look for in a life partner. For those of you who are single who want to get married one day, first thing to look for in a life partner, we talked about, you know, nine character traits. And one of them is being responsible. It's because the health of your relationships depends on how responsible you are. That's the first area that we affect when we are irresponsible. Here's the second one. When I'm irresponsible, my reputation suffers. See, we all forget from time to time. That's just part of being human. But if we are habitually responsible, irresponsible, if we keep on backing out of what we say we will do, if we keep on missing you know, deadlines, we keep on not doing the things that we're supposed to do, then guess what? It's gonna start affecting our reputation. People will think, you know, don't count on this person, don't ask this person for help, don't hire them, don't promote them, keep your distance, be careful with this person. Here's a question for you today. What's your reputation when it comes to being responsible. If I were to ask the people that you live with or work with, and they ask, you know, how, how responsible is Nancy? How's respo- how responsible is James? What would they say? Would they say, oh, he's a breath of fresh air. Oh, he's punctual. He does what he says he will do. He's quick to respond. He's dependable. Or they'll be like, oh man, he's a pain in the butt. Is that, oh man, he's forgetful, he's slow, he's careless, he doesn't think through his words, his decisions, he often blames others when things go wrong. Which reputation do you have when it comes to being responsible? Proverbs 22, verse one says it this way. It says, a good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Turn neighbor and say, your reputation matters. Your reputation matters. And one of the things that impacts your reputation is how responsible you are. That's the second area that gets affected in our lives when we're not responsible. Here's the third one. When I'm irresponsible, my revenue suffers. For those of you who do business, you know this firsthand, is that when we are irresponsible in the way we do business, we pay for it literally. Is that you might have to give a discount to a customer that you didn't want to give a discount to simply because maybe your, your team didn't give the kind of service that you should have given. Or or maybe it's something where you incur extra costs, extra fees, even extra fines because you guys weren't careful enough in the planning process or you didn't fulfill all of the requirements. Or maybe you lose a client or you lose an account altogether because of Maybe you lose a job because of it. And see, irresponsibility always comes at a cost. Revenue goes down, stress and frustration go up, and precious time and resources are wasted. That's the third area. Here's a fourth area. When I'm irresponsible, my reward in heaven 
suffers. Is that one day at the end of our lives, each one of us is going to be audited. Each one of us is going to give an account to God for the way we lived our lives and how responsible we were with what we were given. And God, at that day, on that day, when you stand before God at the end of your life, God is not going to ask you, were you responsible with what I gave your parents? Or what did you do with what I gave your sister? Or what did I do? What did you do with what I gave that person you keep comparing yourself to? He's going to say, what did you do with all that I gave? gave you. Look at Luke chapter 16, verse 10 with me right now. What does it say? It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. And so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own. See, what's Jesus saying? Jesus saying that how much reward you have for eternity, what kind of standing you have in heaven, hugely depends on how responsible you were with all that God gave you in this lifetime. And see, it's because how responsible we are affects our reward in heaven. Another one, final one today, if I'm irresponsible, my my representation of God to others suffers. What do I mean by that? Is that this for those who call yourselves followers of Jesus? Is that as followers of Jesus, we here want to live out loud. We want to lead others to Jesus. We want to reflect God's love and character to those around us. But here's the thing. You can put Bible verses on your wall at work. You can wear a cross around your neck. You can tattoo the words, come with me to church on your forehead. Please don't do that. But if you do any of those things, the fact is this. If you are not responsible, if you can't keep your word, if you can't be counted on to do what you say, then guess what? You're not reflecting God's character to the people around you. And and no matter how spiritual you think you are, and see, that's because one of God's greatest characteristics is responsibility. Now, when you read your Bible, you're not going to find in the English Bible the word responsible the way that we're talking about today, but that's because there's another word that is used for it. It's called faithful. God is faithful. And, and see, look at Psalm 33, verse four. It says, for the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. Psalm 145, 13 says, the Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. In other words, God is responsible. God keeps his word. God can be counted on. You can trust God through and through and he will not let you down. And see, just as God is faithful, responsible, trustworthy, keeps his word, God calls us followers of Jesus to be the same as well. Is that God calls us to be responsible because when we are responsible that way, we reflect God's character to others and we are blessing to them as well. If you believe that, say amen. This is how well you represent God to others depends on how responsible you are. And so for all these reasons, for the sake of your relationships, for the sake of your reputation, for the sake of your revenue, your reward in heaven, and how you represent God to others, we need to be responsible. We need to put responsibility at was one of the top priorities of our lives. And so here's a question for you today. What area of your life do you think you need to be more responsible? What area of your life? I find this, that sometimes we can be really responsible in one area of our lives and then lack responsibility in another. Sometimes we can be Mr. or Miss Dependable at work, but then when it comes to maybe stuff at home, we're not that dependable. Or maybe when it comes to your friendships, you're always there for others, you're very conscientious about your friendships, but then when it comes to your finances, you're not very responsible. See, whatever area of your life where you could use a bit more responsibility, I'll encourage you to take notes today as we talk about five ways to become more responsible. Five ways that you can apply to whatever area of your life 
where you find you can be more responsible. Here's number one right now. Have a pay now, play later mentality, but don't overdo it. Have a pay now, play later mentality, but don't overdo it. What do I mean by that? See, responsible people have a pay now, play later mentality. They think, I'm not going to rest until this thing gets done. I'm not going to go to sleep until this thing gets done. I'm going go, to put in the work and I'm going to rest later. I'm not going to leave this office until this thing gets done. Is that they're responsible. Irresponsible people think the opposite. They're like, oh, no big deal. I'll do it later. No big deal. They would rather do the easy, fun thing first and then leave the hard stuff for later. They want to play now and pay later. And see, how about you? Are you the kind of person who pays now and plays later? Or do you play now and pay later? See, I find this is that play now, pay later, that approach is actually more stressful. At least for me, because whereas you know, pay now, pay, play later, you know, when you're when you're doing stuff first, the stuff, the, the hard stuff you're doing first, you know, you, you can do this is that you're doing things early, you're doing things on time, and you, you find you're, you're on pace. It's not a huge rush. You're avoiding mistakes. But then play now, people. They find okay, let me do the fun thing first. But while you're having fun in the back of your mind, oh, I have that thing to do, and so you can't really enjoy what you're doing. And finally, when you finally get to that, not to to, to, to do the thing you're supposed to do, it's this mad rush. And it's like you're stressed and you're panicking. You're, you're working all night just to you know, get something done that you could have gotten done a lot earlier. And it's prone to mistakes and carelessness. And you're just really, really stressed as a result. What happens is I find that play now often results in more stress. It's, it's kind of ironic. Play now people want to have more fun, but they actually end up with more stress. See, instead of pay now, play later, or instead of play now and pay later, we want to pay now and play later. We're going to say, I'm going to finish Finish this, and then my mind can rest. Amen? Proverbs 6, verse 6 says this way. It says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. Have a pay now, play later attitude when it comes to your responsibilities. But don't overdo it. Pastor Shar and I, we tend to be very driven people and we work pretty hard. But one of the weaknesses that we have sometimes, especially earlier on, is that we will just work, 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 work until we drop. I was amazed before when, when I first started dating Shar, how she would have this ability to just work all throughout the day and all throughout the night and just fall asleep. Sometimes at her desk or sometimes, and she just falls and, and, and it's kind of, she just work, 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 work. And I, I had a different kind of way that I would work, work, work and drop. But see, that's not a healthy thing either, is that we want to be people who, who, who work hard, but who know how to rest as well. Amen. And that's why over the years, Pastor Sharna, we've learned to inject a little bit more fun and self-care into our lives. Something we caught up a few weeks ago, the importance of self-care, but don't be someone who just works, 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 and never rests. Otherwise you won't be very pleasant to be around and you won't be very effective for the long term. But pay now, play later is not work, 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 and then never rest. It's also not play, 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 and never get to what you're doing until the last minute. It's also not trying to work and play at the same time. You know, you do your report while you're watching Netflix. You know, you're kind of got two things going on at the same time. That's not very effective either. Rather, we work hard and then we play hard. We work hard and we play hard. So that's why nowadays what I'll do is, you know, I will try to get 
give myself a little reward in between my, my, my responsibilities. Is that as I'm going through the day, I won't just kind of work, 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 work all throughout the day, but I'll give myself a little reward. I'll say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work on this. I'm gonna work hard at that. At the end of it, I'll go for a workout or I'll use the washroom or I'll take a, I'll take a drink of water or I'll, I'll just look outside for a little bit. And what it does is it helps me refresh and get back at it again. What's the benefit of pay now, play later? You get your stuff done. The people you live and work with take notice. You grow in your reputation for being responsible and there's more peace in your life and relationships. If you believe that, say amen. amen. True name is I got to pay now and play later. I got to pay now and play later. Number two, check more, assume less. What does that mean? Check more, assume less. See, responsible people check, irresponsible people assume. See, many years ago, my eldest son was just born. And so Pastor Shar and I, we decided to go on a little family vacation. Is that we were living in Vancouver. We decided we we're going to go on a little cruise, a repositioning cruise to San Diego. You know what repositioning cruises? It's a one-way trip. All right, so there's, oh, since the boat is going there anyways, let's put on some passengers and we'll give you a discounted cruise. So that's what we did. We wanted this discounted cruise with uh, our, our little son who was maybe six months old at the time. My in-laws came too. And see, we'd gone back and forth across the border, driving across the border before. Uh, but this was kind of different. We went by boat this time. And the idea was we're going to take a boat to San Diego and we're going to fly back to Vancouver. And so when we were kind of checking in and, and, and doing all those things, uh, we, we, we found out, yeah, you don't need a passport for your child to go from Canada to the U.S. on a boat. And so and it was good because he doesn't have a passport. He's only six months old. And plus we'd driven across the border many times without a passport before. So we, you know, we should be okay. But when we got to San Diego, something happened. We got across the border by boat, no problem without a passport. We got to San Diego and we're now at the airport. We want to come back to Vancouver and the flight person says, you know, the person that counted, they say, uh, so can we have your, your son's passport, please? Uh, he doesn't have a passport. How'd you get here to the US? Oh, we came by boat? And they're like, uh, you can't get on a flight back to Canada without your son's passport. They're like, uh, we don't have a passport. And so we had two choices. We could either leave Bradley by himself in San Diego while we go back to Canada, which we would never do, or we could find another way back to Canada. And so instead of taking a simple, fast, two-hour plane ride back to Vancouver from San Diego, you know what we did? Over the next 48 hours, we took two planes and got as close to the border of Canada as we could, and then we took a bus and we went over the border that way. Then we took a shuttle and a taxi. So for over a 48-hour period, Bradley got to sit in a plane, a boat, a bus, a taxi, an airport luggage cart, and, a sh and all, all he was missing was a space shuttle on that day. It was, it was so stressful. I think he had fun, but it was kind of stressful for us. And what was the lesson there? Check before you go. Amen. We didn't bother to check with whether Bradley did a passport coming back, and we should have. It would have made our lives so much easier. Have you ever done that before? Where you got into some trouble because you didn't check, you just assumed? Proverbs 18.13 says this. It says, what a shame. Yes, how stupid to decide before knowing the facts. That's the verse for us. And see, here's the thing. Responsible people aren't necessarily more capable. Responsible people are sometimes just a little bit more anal. Is that they're a little bit more kind of like, Ugh, I, I, okay, let me make sure I've got everything here. They don't want to leave too much to chance. And so whatever they can control, they want to make sure they control well. And so they check and they double check and they don't just assume. Turn your neighbor and say, don't just check. Don't just assume, check more. Check more. 
Don't just assume, check more. See, check more, assume less, and you'll save yourself a lot, of, a lot of trouble. For example, have you ever had to try to coordinate a time or a place to meet with someone, but then neither one of you checked properly, and so you end up missing each other completely? Has that ever happened before? Yeah, I remember last year, my son Caleb, you know, he was taking a gymnastics class because he loves to flip and jump and all that stuff. And so this class, for some reason, had two locations. And so one day would be at one location, the other day would be at another location. And so I'd be sending him, and there would be times when I'd get him to this one place, I think the class is there, and the lights are off, the door is locked. I'm like, where's the class? And then I'll call Shar. Oh, yeah, didn't I tell you? It's actually at the other location. I'm like, oh, and now I'm flipping and jumping along with my son. And see, here's the thing. It's about you need to communicate. Because generally speaking, it is better to over-communicate than to not communicate enough. Turn over and say, communicate with me. Communicate with me. Because if you want to reduce the number of conflicts you have from miscommunication, check more and assume less. Number three, if you want to be more responsible with that area of your life, do everything you can to keep your word. Do everything you can. See, when you say you're going to do something, do it. Just like Jesus says, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. You know, over 20 years ago, you know, when I was still a teenager, I, I said yes to leading songs for this kids camp. And, you know, things were fine. Things were going pretty well as we were praying for it. But something happened in the middle of the camp, which is I started to really burn out. It's because it's not so much because of the camp. It was because of all these other things in my life that I didn't set proper boundaries around. I said yes to a whole bunch of different things and I didn't say no to anything and I was stressing out. I was burning out at the same time. And by you know, the middle of the camp, I just felt like I couldn't go on anymore. And so you know what I did? Right on the spot, I quit. And I sent in my resignation letter by fax when we still use fax machines. And I said, sorry, but I can't keep on going. And see, you could try to give me the benefit of the doubt and say, oh yeah, he was young. He didn't know what he was doing. He still had a lot to learn. He was exhausted. He was stressed. He was burning out. But here it is. If JB in 2022 could somehow take a time machine and go back to that time in my life is that this JB in 2022 would probably go back to that skinny, scrawny kid with the weird undercut haircut, the baggy jeans, and I'd offer to lay hands on him. Not open prayer hands, but more the closed-fisted type of hands. I'd say, JB, that was irresponsible, man. That was not good. Because as a result of your irresponsible decision, you damaged relationships that were important to you, you hurt your reputation, you set a bad example, for those who are watching you and it's only because of God's mercy and grace that you will ever have an opportunity to lead like that again. It's because our relationships and all that we talked about today are affected by our irresponsibility. And see, here's the thing. One of the biggest differences between a responsible person and an irresponsible person is the way they look at their commitments. It's the way they treat the commitments that they've made. Is that the irresponsible person treats their commitments lightly. I've promised, but hey, no big deal, right? Yeah, I, I did say that, but no, you, you, know, you, you know what I mean, right? No, it, it's no big deal, right? They'll, they'll understand if I don't go ahead. But then the responsible person doesn't think that way. The responsible person thinks, my word is my bond. Is that what I say I will do, I will make sure I do. I'm a man of my word. I'm a woman of my word. Psalm 15 says it this way. It says, who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who keep their promises even when it hurts. See, irresponsible people will let go of their commitments at the drop of a hat. When it starts being uncomfortable, when it's no longer convenient, they're like, you know what? How I feel is more important than any promise that I've made. 
But then responsible people, they hang on to their commitments even if it hurts. They say, I'll feel better after I've lived out this commitment to the end. Deuteronomy 23, 21 says that this says, when you make a vow to the Lord your God, be prompt in fulfilling whatever you promised him. For the Lord your God demands that you promptly fulfill all your vows or you'll be guilty of sin. See, it's not just people who count on your word. God counts on your word. God takes your word seriously. In fact, Jesus once said, he said, men, will get, men and women will give an account for every careless word that we say. Ecclesiastes 5, 4, and 5 says this. It says, when you make a vow to God, don't delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. In other words, don't make a promise you can't keep is that count the cost before you say yes. Have you ever made a promise you didn't keep or couldn't keep? You know, many years ago, I had a friend, this, again, like back in, you know, I think when I was in high school, I had this friend who would call me every single day. And hey, JB. And, and, and he, he called me his best friend and he, he wanted to talk every single day. And, and it was one of those things where after, you know, months and months of this, I was like, you know what, maybe, and I felt bad turning him down. So I said, you know what, uh, how about instead of me, you calling me every day, I'll, I'll write a letter to you every day. How's that? Okay, I'll write, and there's no social media, it's not an email, it's a physical handwritten letter. I'm like, and I'll write a letter to you every day. How's that? How's that? This is my way of kind of just like not, not having to talk every single day. And so for the first two, three weeks, I'm writing, I'm writing, I'm writing. But, that, but, but week three, I'm like, oh my goodness, I've ran out of words to say. Like, what, what more is there to say? There's not so much to say. And, and, so, and so I had to call him and go, hey, I'm sorry. I, 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 can't, I can't keep this up. I'm, there's only so many things I can say to you, okay? And there, there were some other issues in that friendship, for sure. But that was something where my mistake was I made a promise I couldn't keep. And as a result, he was a little hurt. I was a little embarrassed. And see, what's the lesson here? Part of being responsible is about counting the cost before we say yes is that we count the cost before we make the commitment. Look at Luke chapter 14. It says this in verse 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Proverbs 20, 25 says, it is foolish and rash to make a promise to the Lord before counting the cost. See, it is better to never promise than to make a promise and not fulfill it. And so because of that, here's a skill that I've learned over time that maybe will help you as well. See, sometimes people will want things from us, right? Oh, when can I get that document from you? When can we meet up? And see, I find this, is that the, the, the temptation whenever someone asks you that way is to think, oh, wait, what is the quickest possible date that I can give them if I burn the midnight oil, if I you know, do it as quick as possible, if I don't see my family, if I, and, and we just kind of give like a, almost an unrealistic timeline because we don't want to disappoint the person, but then we end up burning the candle at both ends, we're stressing, or maybe... We just forget entirely, and at the end, we don't make the timeline. And as a result, what happened is that we overpromised and we underperformed. And see, sometimes our biggest problem when it comes to responsibility is that we simply don't give ourselves the time we need to get what we need to do done. And see, here's a skill I've learned: is that instead of overpromising and underperforming, you flip it. You underpromise and you overperform. Is that you say, okay, how you build margin? into your commitments. Is it, oh, JB, when can you get that to me? JB, when can I, can I meet with you? Is that realistically, maybe it's like three days from now. 
But just in case you build a bit of margin, you say, okay, I'm gonna tack on an extra day just because anything could happen. And so if I get it done in three days and I see you in three days, awesome, I've exceeded your expectations. But if I don't get it done within three days, I've given you four days, or you gave me four days, right? I got you on the fourth day, I met expectations and the relationship is cool, amen? It's not a broken promise anymore. It's not, oh, I'm late, so sorry. But what is happening, I'm building margin such that I can under-promise and over-perform. See, but don't be absurd about it. Go, okay, so when can you get that document to me? Oh, how about three years from now? Can I do that? How about three years? How about four years? No, is it, you be realistic, but you build margin in there so that you can make sure you keep your word. Turn around and say, I need to keep my word. I need to keep my word. Here's a question for you. Are you someone who keeps your word? Are you someone who has a promise or a commitment that you know you have yet to fulfill and you need to fulfill it? Be someone who keeps their word. God takes our word seriously. We need to do the same. Number four, is this helpful in this place so far? Number four, if you want to become more responsible in that one area of your life where you're thinking about it more, number four, use a reminder system that works. A reminder system. Let me ask you this. Do you have a good memory? I think I've got a pretty good memory, but my memory fails me a lot, especially as the church has grown. Sometimes I can remember times when I can't remember a person's name and I'll be like, uh, how do you spell your name again? Uh, B-O-B, how hard is that? Oh, sorry, I, I just I want to make sure there wasn't a silent F or a silent P in there. I didn't want to call you Fabob or you know, P-Bob or something. And so, and so thank you for letting me. That, that reminder system does not work well, and I don't really do that anymore. But see, here, here it is, is responsible people don't necessarily have a better memory. They just have a better system. They have a better system for reminding themselves of what they need to do. See, irresponsible people often overestimate their abilities. They think they're a lot smarter than they are. They think they're a lot more capable than they are. They think they've got a better memory than they do. And so what happens is they think they'll remember, they don't write anything down, and they just miss it. And see, responsible people are a little bit more self-aware. They realize, okay, there's a chance, given my bad memory, that I'm not gonna remember this, and so I'm going to write this down. And so they have a system in place. And so over time, I've had to learn, especially over 19 years of being married to an extremely capable girl called Pastor Charlene, is that I cannot just rely on my memory in order to maintain the very sophisticated system that is the limb home, all right? I, I, is, that, is that there are too many things to remember if I just simply rely on my memory. And so I've had to create some systems to help me remember. Can I let you in on a bit of that system? Number one, I have a planner, all right? It's called my game booklet. You guys know what the game stands for. It stands for the God and me experience. It's a book that we give out to people who want to get to know the Bible more. And so every day we're reading a passage. But for me, that's not just what I use to read the Bible. My game booklet is also my planner. And every day I'll write down my plan for the day. Is that at the beginning of each day or the night before, I'll draw a cross. It's just a little weird thing that I do to just remind myself, seek God's kingdom first. And then I will then write down everything that I can think that I need to do the next day. And then after I write it all down, no particular order, then I start kind of going, okay, what do I do first? What do I do this? When do I do this? And I'll start to plan that way. And I'll take that game book everywhere I go. Sometimes I feel naked without that game book because it's kind of the way that I plan my day. It's how I prioritize the stuff that I do. Another thing I'll do, I'll email myself a lot. You know, you guys often get an email from me every day. Those of you who subscribe to Pastor JB's Game Sharing, you get an email from me once a day. I, I, Pastor Shar gets emails and, you know, and, and other messages from me. But do you know who gets more messages from me than anyone else? 
myself. I message more messages to me than to anyone else. And don't get me wrong, my notes to myself are not that nice. It's not, oh, dear JB, thanks for being so amazing. Love JB, you know? <laughs> or, oh, yeah, or, dear JB, you look so good today. Have a great day. Your secret admirer, JB. You know, that, that's, just, that's just wrong on a lot of different levels. But see, here's the thing often it's just a few words like, schedule this, you know, send that. Pick him up. You know, it's, a, it's, it's, it's those things. And see, and, and, and so when I'm driving and I can't use my hands to type an email or to write it in my game book, I'll use my phone and I'll say, and I really hope it doesn't turn on now, but, but, but I'll say, hey, Siri. And I'll go, hey, send an email to JB. And then I'll be like, and then I'll, and I'll say, okay, what, what message do you want to send? I'll say, uh, schedule this or plan that. And what is that? I'm reminding myself to remind myself. And see, it's a little system. When I'm at home, and I realize that maybe I've got a lunchbox that Pastor Sharp prepared for me that I need to take with me so that I don't forget it. What I'll do, I'll take that lunchbox from the kitchen counter. I'll put it where my shoes are. And, and now like, you know, tofu becomes stinky tofu. And, and, and I'll, 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 take, I'll take that lunchbox, I'll put it at my shoes and it's a reminder to me that, okay, bring your lunchbox. Because so, literally that, what, what that means is I literally have to walk over my shoes and my lunchbox and go out the door if I want to forget my lunchbox. And so it's just making it as obvious as possible. Sometimes I'll take a post-it note and I'll write it in big, you know, letters like, you know, blue jacket, remember your blue jacket. And I'll, I'll paste it, I'll, not paste it, I'll, I'll, I'll stick it to the wall. And then I'll maybe put a piece of tape over the, over the, the, the post-it note just in case it falls off. Or I'll, I'll put it on my shoes as well. And it's just a reminder, do not forget this. It's not because I'm super anxious, or maybe I am, but it's also because I just would rather spend that little bit of effort to remind myself than spend even more effort and stress apologizing for not remembering. Amen? Amen. That's all part of being responsible. Here's a question for you today. What system do you use to keep track of your responsibilities? Do you have a system? Is it a good one? If not, it's time to get one. Deuteronomy 6, 6 to 9 says it this way. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at your home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. See, what's the lesson here? Is that God wants us to find creative ways to remember what's most important. There's nothing more important than the word of God. And so God says in Deuteronomy 6, make sure you remember things, practical things. Put it on your, you know, put it in places where you can remember it. And see, and the same thing is, applies to other important things in your life. By the way, when you're listening to this message, do you take notes? I encourage you to do so. Because even if you never look at those notes again, just the process of you writing things down that you're learning helps you to process, remember, retain what you're learning, and it gives you something to share with others, such as in small group and other places. Finally, number five, if you and I want to become more responsible, then number five, apologize when you drop the ball. Apologize when you drop the ball. See, when it comes to responsibility, none of us is ever 100% responsible. Every single one of us drops the ball. Every single one of us messes up from time to time. And when we do, the responsible thing to do is not to deny it, pretend it didn't happen, lie about it, ignore it, but it's take ownership and responsibility and apologize. And see, that goes for our relationship with people. That especially goes for our relationship with God. See, earlier we said that one day every one of us is going to give to God an account for the way that we lived our lives. One day we're going to be audited. One day God's going to look and see how responsible were you with everything that I gave to you. In fact, the Bible puts it this way. It says, Proverbs 20, verse 6, many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man who can find. 
Now there's a lot of people claim to be responsible, but how many really are responsible? Proverbs 20 verse nine says, who can say I've kept my heart pure, I'm clean and without sin? That's a rhetorical question. It's not saying, oh, does anyone say anyone here without sin, raise your hand? No, it's saying none of us are. All of us have messed up. All of us have dropped the ball. In Romans 3, 23 says that the clearest of all, it says for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, in other words, when we're not responsible, not only does that damage our relationship with people, even more, it damages our relationship with God. So much so that the Bible says that our irresponsibility separates us from a perfectly faithful God, such that we can't have anything to do with God, not now, not ever. That's why the Bible says the wages of sin is death, is that because we have not always been responsible, because we've dropped the ball, because we've messed up in sometimes intentional ways, done our own thing, that we have effectively run away from God. Just like when I ran away from my babysitter and just didn't want to, you know, and just ran away, did my own thing. That's what we did. That's what we did with God. And see, in God's world, every liar, every thief, every irresponsible person, every unfaithful person needs to be cut off from the presence of a holy God where there is no sin and no irresponsibility. That's how seriously God looks at irresponsibility. But the amazing news of the Bible is that God's love for you is not based on how responsible you are. See, if God's love for you was based on your performance, none of us could get God's love. But the amazing, the amazing message of the Bible is that God's love is for you even when you're at your worst. Even at, when at your, in your most unfaithful, unirresponsible moment, God still loves you. Because God's love for you isn't based on your performance. It's based on his character. It's based on who he is. And the Bible says that God is love. Would you turn to him and say, God loves you. And see, God loves you so much and he wants you to know it so much that he sent Jesus Christ to pay the penalty for our irresponsibility. All the ways that we've been irresponsible, all the ways we've broken our commitments, all the ways we've gone back on our promises, all the ways that we have messed up, all those ways that we broke his trust or other people's trust, all those ways that we've sinned against God, Jesus took responsibility for. He said, it's not on them anymore, it's on me. And that's why he went to the cross. He took responsibility for you. He took responsibility for me. And he hung on the cross to show that he loves you and me and that he would fulfill his promise to save us even if it hurts. And that's what Jesus did. He died on the cross to take responsibility for our failure. And not only did Jesus die, but he also rose again from the grave to show that you can fully trust everything that Jesus says and that because Jesus is alive today, you have a hope that is stronger than the grave. Could you give God, could you give Jesus a big hand here in this place together right now? Amen. And so in light of what Jesus Christ has done, the most responsible thing that you and I can do is to acknowledge where we've dropped the ball, is to admit we're sinners, to admit that we've messed up, to admit that we've never always been responsible, that in fact, there've been many times when we have dropped the ball and we come to God, we apologize, and we say, God, would you forgive me? Proverbs 28 verse 13 says this, says those who conceal their sins do not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Have you done that? Have you done that before? Have you confessed your sins to God and asked him for his forgiveness? Because if you haven't, then that is your next step today. Maybe you realize that this message is for you, but you've never taken that step of asking God for his forgiveness. You might have apologized to others. You may have even forgiven yourself, but you've never come to God and said, God, would you forgive me? And see, here's the thing. One of the amazing things about God's forgiveness is it's free. 
You don't have to earn it. It's not based on what you do. It's based on what Jesus Christ has done for you. And when you receive the forgiveness of God, you know what comes with that? It comes with a peace that is bigger than our failure. It comes with a joy that overcomes our shame. And so if that's you and you realize you need that, then I want to encourage you to take this next step right now is that you can pray with me a prayer to ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. And it's as simple as doing this. You can click the link that's in your chat room. You can scan that QR code that's on your screen. What it'll do is it'll take you to a, a page with a prayer on it. You'll still hear my voice talking, but you also see a prayer on a different page that you can pray to receive God's forgiveness, to receive Jesus Christ into your life. And if that's you and you realize you need to do that, would you do that right now? Would you click that link? Would you scan that QR code? And just so that you're not doing this on your own, because trust me, you're not alone. I'm gonna do this with you. In fact, those of you who've prayed this prayer before, I wanna encourage you to pray it with those who are praying for the very first time in support of this awesome decision that they're making today to ask Jesus Christ into their lives. Would you do that together right now? Why don't you lift your hands to God right now? We'll just pray this prayer with those who are praying for the first time. And so my friend, if you're here and you've never prayed this prayer and you want to receive God's forgiveness, why don't you pray this prayer with us right now and say, Dear Jesus, thank you that because you love me, you died on the cross to pay for my sins. You rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart and I ask you, please forgive me of all my sins and please fill me with your Holy Spirit. I place my trust not in what I do, but in what you've done for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, did you pray that prayer? Did you mean that prayer? If you did, then according to the Bible, you are forgiven of your sins. You are now in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ that no one else, no one else and nothing else you do could ever take away. That is the amazing love of God. It's his forgiveness and peace in your life. And in fact, can we give a clap and a hand to those who prayed that prayer just now? That's awesome. And uh, we've got some gifts we want to give you. If you go to the bottom of that prayer page uh, just now, it'll, it'll link you up to some gifts that we'd love to give you to congratulate you on this awesome decision you've made. On top of that, we encourage you, encourage you to keep coming to church because every child needs a family to grow up in. We would love to be your spiritual family. On top of that, we encourage you to get baptized. Baptism is not a graduation. Baptism is a beginning. It's you simply saying, I've asked Jesus Christ to forgive me of sins and I've trusted him as my savior. If that's you, then you can get baptized. You can go to mythought.info, press the baptism button for more information on baptism. We'd love to help you out in that way. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Thrive Church. My name is Kathy, and it's so great to be here with you guys today virtually from wherever it is you're watching. Before I let you guys go, I have a few announcements for you. If it's your first time here, we would love to get to know you better. So please text NEW to 604-285-5770 or visit info and we'll mail you your very own Bryce Lee and Steel water bottle. If you prayed the prayer with Pastor JB earlier to receive Jesus Christ in your life today, congratulations, we have a gift package for you and we'll send you a series of videos that will help answer some questions about Christianity. Please text BELIEVE to 604-285-5770 or visit info. After you receive Jesus into your life, the next step is to consider getting baptized. Baptism during COVID might look a little bit different than usual, but we are committed to making it safe for everyone involved while making it the most memorable experience. Our next baptism is happening Sunday, March 13th. If you're interested or want to know more, visit MyThrive.info. At Thrive, we often say, much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. 
I invite you to join us for a night of prayer and praise this coming Friday, March 4th, 8.30 p.m. at Leapont Place. This will be a great opportunity to experience more of God's power and presence. Childcare is available for children ages 3 to 12. They'll be watching a movie called The Star. For more information and registration, visit mythrive.info. We can't wait to worship with you in person. That's it for this week. I hope you all have a great day. Don't forget to give your tithes and offerings online at mythrive.info. I will see you all next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. Bye!